1: Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Ryan Cote, and he is Director of Digital Services and Partner at Ballantine, which is a third-generation direct mail digital marketing company. We're going to find out more about him and what they do. This is a great episode. I think sales and marketing and generating leads is a huge challenge for a lot of companies. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the strategies and lessons learned so you can grow and scale your business faster. So with that... Ryan, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce. Happy to be here. Thanks. So why don't we talk about background first, and then we can kind of get into marketing and marketing strategy. So, you know, it's a third generation business. I'm curious to learn about that. I'm curious to learn about uh, what you've learned just as a business owner, as a business leader that's working to scale the company. Tell us a little bit of background, and then we can talk about marketing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Those are some great topics. So I'll start off with just, just I guess, a a personal note on myself. I live in New Jersey, married for what will soon be 13 years. I have three girls. And like you said, I'm part of Valentine, which is a third generation company. My great uncle started the company in 1966. So this is our 54th year. Wow. And um, my father retired in late 2017. And now Mm -hmm. myself and my two brothers, my uncle, we're partners in the agency we all have different roles and stuff and and actually the company really you know when I started at the company in 2003 Mm -hmm. it's completely different than what it is now we've added a digital division and I used to do marketing now I manage the digital division so my role has changed in terms of managing people and trying to scale the business up so yeah I've definitely seen a lot over the last well really the last five years especially
1: yeah yeah and I'm sure within this industry just that with technology changing and kind of marketing strategy and lead generation strategy changing that that you've had to really kind of morph and and transform not only the company but yourself as a a leader in this process
0: definitely transform myself as a leader definitely realizing that you can't do it on your own and you know I have my limitations I have my strengths and I definitely have my limitations and so it's it's been a process of putting the right people in the right spot and playing to their strengths Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: building a team I'm sure we're going to go over a lot of those topics but yeah it's been it's been really fun these last five years
1: yeah no I'm sure so let's talk about the business a little bit and where you've chosen to focus from a, a marketing point of view and then we talk about sort of service-based businesses and what you've kind of learned and noticed and go from there. So from a marketing services, digital services point of view, what niche have you carved out or, or what where do you focus on and who do you focus on working with?
0: Yeah, sure. So the company is really, it's really two companies in one. We have the direct mail division and that's what we started off with in the mid-60s. You know, I always like to mention that if you remember back in the day, the Columbia House stamp sheet mailers used
1: to get. Oh my gosh, yes, I'm having flashbacks.
0: Yep, that was, we had a part in that. And then the AOL Disc mailers used to get. We had a part in that as well. You uh-huh. used to use millions and millions of those discs for like the free. Oh my gosh. I forget yeah. what it was, but 20, you know, 10 60 hours. hours. <laughs> I yeah. remember it was like
1: hundreds of hours, like more than you could ever use kind of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: So, we, we, we yeah, those
0: were two major clients for us in the, it was the 90s. It was before my time, but it was the 90s. Yeah. So, we have the direct mail division. And for that, we go after a reservice, very large companies that do a lot of direct mail. And thus, the campaigns are very complicated and they need someone like us that can just help them manage the process
1: yeah.
0: from buying the print to getting it mailed to dealing with all the stuff that comes up in the middle. And so that's what we do on the digital side, though. And that's what my role here is. It's completely different. Um, it's we, we work with small businesses, manufacturers, professional services, contractors, you know, small companies, not, you know, like maybe 10 to 30 employees. Mm-hmm they have no marketing people, they have one marketing person, and we become an extension of their team, or we become their in-house marketing team. And for them, we do everything from search engine optimization to Google ads, social media, content, email, mm-hmm. all the traditional digital stuff that you're used to seeing. We basically craft together a strategy for them. So That's Valentine in like a Two minute nutshell.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm curious. What do you see the print side, the direct mail side, as still being applicable? I mean, relevant? Or are you finding ways of integrating these things? What's the connection, and where is it showing up for what types of businesses?
0: So, yeah, everyone. That's a good question. People assume that direct mail is dead. It's, yeah. it's definitely not dead. Yeah. Um, it's we've had three good years, um, and yeah. it's you know it really depends. Also, it, it's changed a lot. Like if we look back to like the '90s, 2000s, like the, there were bigger campaigns, and they were just Kind of spray and pray for the most part. Yeah. You know now the campaigns are much more targeted because of the data that you have available. But print is still a major, major, major part of our business. You know it's but we you know it's, we work with a lot of nonprofits. We work with a lot of travel yeah. and hospitality companies, and so yeah. those industries they need to use direct mail, and direct mail works for them. Yeah. But we're also seeing a resurgence in direct mail because digital is great; it's very trackable, but it's it is very saturated. It's very noisy. It changes all the time. It's very complicated, and so. We've seen a resurgence in direct mail from companies that you wouldn't think would use digital because they probably have a team of 50 doing digital and that's probably what they're focused on, but they're starting to realize that direct mail you know, there's less competition in the mailbox, it's another yeah. channel, it's another way to reach your prospects. So we have a lot of these cool startups coming to us, like these food prep companies coming mm. to us for direct mail, just as one example. So it's not, yeah, it's just, it's just changing. It's like anything, yeah. it's just changing.
1: Now, are these integrated campaigns, I mean, are, are you kind of looking at this as, you know, kind of multi-pronged strategies? You know, what's the kind of integration between some of the stuff you're doing, you know, digitally and then with print and direct? I mean, how, how and where are you connecting the dots on these.
0: Yeah, so we are, you know, because we do both services, we do try to blend as much as possible. Mm-hmm. To be fully candid, it's it hasn't been huge for us yet because you know the the audiences that we service on both ends are completely different like on like I said on direct mail it's huge companies on the digital it's small so there's not like it's not like we're servicing huge companies on both the direct mail and the digital where we can naturally integrate. But we do, I mean that said we do have a fairly regular stream of integrated campaigns where one of our direct mail clients who we might also run Facebook ads for, Mm -hmm. you know, will take their direct mail list and then we'll upload to Facebook. So while they're sending out mail we're also showing Facebook ads to the same audience that match on Facebook, yeah. and, you know, and same thing with email. So we try to look for opportunities to blend because uh, it is it's in the client's best interest if we can if we can hit their prospects in their mailbox, in their inbox, and in their social feeds. You know, why we, why wouldn't we? So
1: we yeah. try to blend as much as possible. Yeah, and talk to me about targeting. I mean, you mentioned earlier that the you know the, the strategy now or or the capabilities now with data and being able to target audiences. How I guess how do you approach targeting? What's possible at this point with some of these sort of targeting technologies and data sets and what's what's working and what's not how how can you Focus in your audience and really reach the people that you really want to reach.
0: Yeah, so like right now with Facebook, they're really they're removing a lot of their targeting. So what we've done is I'll use dealerships as an example. Auto mm-hmm. dealerships is a vertical that we're starting to get bigger and bigger in, mm-hmm. and they use all our services. So you know a typical dealership wants to saturate what they call their PMA. It's like the area that they service, yep. and they want to just saturate those people. And so they use us for direct mail, typically postcards. They'll use us for Facebook ads, Google ads, email, everything. So but the central point is the data and so with facebook we know we don't really have as many options as we used to a few mm-hmm. years ago and so what we've relied on we have a really good data partner that we work with and mm-hmm. so their business is data and so we'll basically come to them and say here's our client's audience here's what they want to hit what data do you have and they have thousands of sources and they put together a plan so it's us relying on our partner for that but using the dealership as an example you know they have data for people that are in market for a certain vehicle and then we'll take that we'll take that mail that we'll take that mail file and we'll send direct mail to it. We'll send email to it. We'll we'll upload it to Facebook and Instagram and run ads. And so we're really blanketing an area. It's very targeted. It's people that we know are in market for either the vehicle of our client or a competitive brand that you know if they like say mm, Nissan they might yeah. like Toyota. Yeah. You know, it's with Facebook taking away a lot of the selects. We've we've you know we've fixed that quote unquote
1: by yeah, we just rent the da- yeah
0: yeah we rent the data and we upload yeah. it to Facebook.
1: Yeah. So. And what, what kind of targeting is possible? I mean, I guess it just as a business owner who's trying to figure out how to do targeting, I mean, what are you looking for? Is it just demographic information? I mean, you mentioned, mentioned kind of competitive, you know, people that are interested in X might be interested in Y. I mean, what are the strategies that you use or that you've seen effective in terms of actually doing the targeting and, and defining a target? Yeah, to be honest, I think our data
0: nowadays and our partner, and I'm sure our partner is not all that unique. I'm sure there's plenty of data partners that can have this, but they have all sorts of, so they have what's called compiled data, mm-hmm. which is, you know, certain, you know, Age and demographics and gender and all that, and then they have responsive data. So people that have responded to certain files, So they might be a subscriber to Sports Illustrated to, or mm. to whatever. And so if they're a subscriber to Sports Illustrated, you can you can assume that they might want this product, you know. Yeah. And then they have other uh, a whole other segment where it's like people that are interested in certain things, behavioral selects, and that's
1: you know. So it's really there's a, just a lot of options <laughs> it sounds it, like it then yeah. it sounds just, like navigating that is kind of the challenge it's like well which ones do you use
0: yeah i mean it comes down to a lot of testing and and so the way we do it for the for, for the dealership is we just we we give the information to our data partner and then we say okay here's who we're looking to reach and then they give us our options so, okay well we could do this we could do that and then we just look at our options and we think we we put together what we think is going to work best and then we test it and then we change if we need to so it's it's really i guess what i would say to your audience is is find a good data partner um, and then come to them with whatever whoever your audience is, who you're looking to reach, mm-hmm. and then see what options they, ha- they have to reach those people. Because it's, it's mind-blowing how many different um, targeting selects there are um, yeah, sure. between compiled data, responsive demographic data, behavioral interest selects, and then take that data and do a mail campaign, do email, upload it to Facebook, Instagram. Just use it to use it to your fullest.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. And talk to me a little bit about the difference between uh, the sort of organic versus uh, marketing. I mean, how I mean, there's lots of different kind of online strategies these days. What what are you focused on? What have you seen that works? What's your what's it, what have you learned so far?
0: Yeah. So. Search engine optimization and paid advertising, there are still two really big services services for us on the um, digital side. Reason being is because someone has a need and they're going to Google. And I know it's changing a lot. Like SEO is definitely not what it used to be because the search results of Google have changed. There yeah. are countless algorithm changes, but it's still a very viable channel for us. You still want to have a strong presence organically, mm-hmm. um, especially as a local business with like Google Maps and, um, mm. and Google.com. And so you want to have that organic presence because when someone's doing a search, for a keyword they have a, they're looking for something and you want to be one of their options. So SEO and paid search is still key for us, but we uh, we do a lot of content and social, so with content, you know, we're sort of looking at that as like a I guess an amplifier to SEO because we're keyword optimizing all the content. We've even had a lot of success. Just to give you some like actionable tips here, we've even had some. We've even had success with. Yeah, we have. Okay, so maybe we published a stream of blog posts two years ago. Mm -hmm. We look at the ones that are doing very well, and then we upgrade them. We update them with new content. We refresh them. Mm -hmm. We still keep the core of the content as is because Google likes it. They're sending a lot of traffic to it, but we refresh it with maybe new content and update it. And whenever we do that, um, it's uh, it always increases organic reach. uh, Right now.
1: Yeah. And why is that? Because the Google sees it as being a, a newer a, a page that had a lot of traffic that now has new content, so we're g- they're going to push it or rank it even better.
0: I think so. I think it's in because we're we're picking pieces that are getting a lot of impressions in Google, and you can yeah. see that through Search Console. Yeah. Uh, it's getting a lot of traffic. It's getting a lot of impressions. So Google already says or they're showing you that they like the piece because they're sending traffic to it. Yeah. And then when you improve a piece that they already like. It's just it gives them more of what they it gives them more of what they already like. Yeah. But just word of caution when you do it, um, don't change the URL, um, don't <laughs> yes. change the metadata. Keep like the core stuff the same. Just add more content to it and update it if some of the parts of it are not correct anymore. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, no. And I've I've heard nightmare stories of people that have uh, uh, changed domain names and stuff, and then have had not been able to kind of remap their old URLs and you know losing thousands of uh, hits a day of traffic because they didn't do it right. And so, you know, it, it, yes, yeah. Tread it, resets it. it resets it for sure. Yeah. I, I would say too, with
0: social media. What we're seeing, uh, we have a campaign going on right now for a, well, we do it a lot for dealerships. It so works, works great, but also for, we have a, a, they're a supplier of iron doors, which is pretty niche. And yeah. we're using Facebook's lead form ad which is basically like you run an ad someone's they're they're opting into something whether it's a newsletter or it's to get a quote or whatever the case is to mm-hmm. come see a car um and it, facebook makes it easy because it's just they have all the information on you, and you just, you're clicking a, you're clicking a button yes i'm interested your information shows that because facebook has it yes that's correct hit submit and it's done and it's like with two clicks you're basically raising your hand that you're interested yeah. in, and we have a campaign running right now for this iron door supplier using this ad and it's it's going really well. So it's like, you never know, like you wouldn't think that would work well, but you test it and it's like, huh, this is, this is actually working very well. So we'll do more of it, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it. I think that um, kind of philosophy of uh, you know coming with ideas, testing those ideas, and then l- letting data kind of guide you know where you where you reinvest, where you continue to innovate, uh, seems to be kind of the the strategy. Just because you you don't really know, <laughs> you you have some general guiding principles, but you kind of have to take some action and try some things, and then see what kind of results you get. That's yeah, it's true. So talk to me if I'm a professional services or just sort of general service provider, contractor, doctor, lawyer, dentist. Um, You know, agency. What are some of the techniques or strategies that you would suggest? uh, You know, a company like that consider, or some of the some of the things they do to help start getting some traction from a marketing point of view online.
0: Yeah, so I'll um, I would say you know definitely SEO and PPC. Those are typically the high the, the lead generators of people that are looking for you know for, so for our typical for our typical client they're looking for leads. So I'll mm-hmm. you know like I mentioned contractors and professional service. So SEO and PPC typically generate the most leads because and, and leads of people that are looking for they're, they're showing interest in your services. Yeah. And so definitely recommend looking into those too. we We're big fans of email sending out a monthly newsletter, bi-month bi uh, bi-weekly newsletter just to nurture the leads that you have or nurture the client. You have or the customers. So, definitely, we happen to like MailChimp at the, t- at the current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of tools out there. So, sending out a newsletter, you know, for generating leads for ourselves, if I look at what we do, yeah. you know, we do, we do all of that. Trade shows, of course, you know, getting that face-to-face connection because it can't all be about digital. There needs mm-hmm. to be some sort of human connection there. So we're big fans of trade shows. Uh, we're actually big fa- fans of cold email too. We don't, you know, we okay. don't rely on it, but it's yeah. just another, it's just another channel for us. So we try to, you know, we try to attract leads from all different types of channels. And so cold emails, you know, identifying the the people you want to work with and and sending out cold emails. Content creation is big for us, so we we focus on case studies, keyword optimized content, white papers, things like that. Things that are going to, A, attract people organically, Mm -hmm. but also things that, like if we produce a case study, I can pass it on to my cousin Josh who does sales here and he can use it to help generate more sales. Mm -hmm. So it's like really repurposing what you're doing. Yeah, I do podcasts like this. And then the last thing I would mention that I think is something that maybe your audience might not be thinking of Is strategic partnerships. So we identify for us, it's going to be different based on who who you are, but for us, it's identifying like marketing consultants. Maybe they're like freelancers or they're just a one person consultant and they have their clients. And so we reach out, we connect with them to provide execution for their clients. And Uh, so, you know, we become like a sort of like a back, like a, like their in house team to execute on their clients' campaigns. So it's like, who has your audience and how can you develop a strategic partnership with them? That's going to, it's got to obviously be a win win for both sides. But that's that's been key for us on the digital side, but even the direct mail side, going back to the like 30 years we've been doing this for the last 30 years, you know, developing partnerships like that.
1: Yeah. And in terms of the content people are producing, how any tips or suggestions around how to how to make compelling content or or make sure the content is going to serve you well and from a marketing and a lead generation point of view?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So I would I think of what we do. So we look at what our competitors are doing. Um, We look at, we have keyword tools for SEO. So we see what, we see what topics are popular Mm -hmm. because we want to write on topics that people are looking for. There is, okay, here's a free tool. There's a tool that um, it's called Uber suggest. You can pop in a topic and it'll give you, it it does a whole bunch of things. They're, they're they're adding to it all the time. It's by this guy named Neil Patel. He's like a marketer, mm-hmm. um, or, or he is a marketer. And it's called UberSuggest. And so basically, you pop in keywords, and it'll give you it'll give you um, research, it'll give you feedback on those keywords, but it'll also give you articles or blogs that are, are written on that topic, and you can see which ones are popular. And so maybe you look for a really popular uh, blog post, and then you try to publish something that's similar but better. Yeah. We also comb through not just keyword tools, but we comb through our search console data to see because that's like right from Google's mouth, like the data. And we uh, look at exactly. what keywords are, because if you look at search, if you look at search console or even like your paid search data uh-huh. and you're seeing what people are actually searching for, sometimes you'll think of, it'll give you ideas that um, you wouldn't have thought of on your own. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, Bruce, is uh, there's tools like Answer the Public that is like a Q&A tool where you put a keyword in and then it'll, it'll come back with questions that people are are, um, are asking and that's even more important now because of like voice search and you want to have content that answers questions and that that tool is uh, Answer the Public answer that's the what public. it
1: does Interesting I think that's really important because I think I mean ultimately at least I've certainly found it with my clients I found it with, with myself in terms of you know generating content the more that you can figure out what is on your prospect's mind you know and, and to your point how they literally phrase it like how do they phrase the question and the more that you can kind of figure that out and then develop content that's going to answer that that question or address those issues um, in the terms, uh, you know, literally using the keywords and the terms that they're framing it in. The more effective that is going to be in terms of you know connecting with your audience uh, or your audience finding it and then actually connecting it and leading to that. Oh, hey, this is something I'm this is something I'm struggling with. or I'm curious about. Here's content that is really addressing it. Maybe I should reach out to these folks and talk more because they seem to be, know what I'm concerned about. I think that kind of connection is really important.
0: Yeah, and and, and to add to that, I go back to what I said before about upgrading content so you don't always have to think of new ideas to write about you can look at your past blogs that are doing well and then just upgrade them and republish them and so it's not, it doesn't always have to be new ideas. You can always just uh, upgrade the past blogs that are doing very well.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything else? In, any uh, success in terms of syndication or getting? I mean, obviously, writing your own blogs and publishing yourself, but in terms of getting content out in other channels and and other people's other people's networks. I, I don't know if you're a fan of Medium and some of these other kind of content content platforms. I mean, what's your what's what's your feeling in terms of success in terms of marketing and lead generation on some of these things?
0: So, for, in terms of Medium, I write on Medium. Medium just mm-hmm. as I'm trying to get into the habit of writing more, and as part of my my quest to become a better leader, I guess you know <laughs> I, I, I write on Medium, and so I'm trying to make like a daily habit of that. So I personally write on Medium. I probably have like ten articles, yeah. uh, not that many, but and then I do it on LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. In terms of like our clients and what we do for our own marketing, you know, it's not we don't do too much. We'll put it on social media, of course. So like yeah, you know, we we have we'll, we'll we'll produce a piece of content, and then we'll have a plan that f- it feeds into our social strategy, and then there's always going to be ad spend behind that. So okay, what we'll content are we gonna create? What are the keywords are we optimizing it for? Okay, then we're gonna put it on Facebook and you know LinkedIn, et cetera. All right. What um? How much ad spend are we going to be? Are we going to put behind it? Who are the audiences that we're gonna we're gonna boost it to? Is it going to be to our you know our our website audience you know, like mm-hmm. retargeting? Is it going to be to a colder audience? So who's you know, So we, we do map it out that way, but we do not. The thing we don't do just uh you know I know there's a lot of agencies that do. We just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have like a syndication plan where we're using like Outbrain mm-hmm. or one of those tools that yeah. gets a lot of eyeballs to it. Is that something that we just don't do right now?
1: Yeah, and I've seen I've seen mixed results. I mean, some of that you, you can get a lot of eyeballs. The question is always, are they the right ones? <laughs> you I get think a lot. It depends of, yeah, yeah, we haven't. Had, I've I've tested it for our own a few years ago,
0: and it like stumble upon. I don't think they're around anymore. But and I tested Outbrain, and we got a lot of views for sure. It just the the, the metrics on the traffic was not very good. But I yeah. like I think it just depends on the topic you're writing about. You know, I know there's plenty of companies that use it successfully. Maybe it's more like BuzzFeed type content that does yeah. well. I'm not really sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anything that you've seen not work so well or things that you suggest people don't do or mistakes that you've seen people make from a digital marketing point of view?
0: Things that haven't worked.
1: Waste of time and money, <laughs> the black holes that people have, yeah, have, yeah. have found.
0: So, of course, it's going to depend on the on the client because we've seen things work for some clients, but not others. Yeah. So it obviously depends on the audience. But I will be, if I'll be fully honest, mm-hmm. I LinkedIn hasn't seemed to be... Yeah. Huge lead generator for us. I think there's some, and I'm sure there's agencies that have made it work. Mm -hmm. We just have not figured out a way to make it work yet. Mm -hmm. I think there's still some value in it in terms of just it being, depending on who your audience is, of having a presence on there and trying to get followers on your company page. Video on LinkedIn is pretty popular right now. Mm -hmm. Their ad platform, in theory, that you can attract. You can run ads to like certain groups and job titles. It just is very expensive. And so we just haven't figured out a way to make it work. Yeah. But that's not a blanket statement for social media. Because like I said, with Facebook, with their lead format, we've seen a lot of success with the auto dealerships and our Iron Door client. And then clients trying to get email opt-ins. And so, but for us, LinkedIn has been a bit of a, a struggle.
1: Yeah, yeah, How does a how does a typical engagement work for you? So, what, how do you begin? What are the first steps? What do you do to kind of set a company up? And then, what does the ongoing process look like? How what is the what is the process from your point of view when you work with a company?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm I'm going to answer it in a way that it's going to give um, your audience some takeaways because I think we've learned. You yeah. know, um, the digital side of our business is only five years old. I mean, yeah. the company is 54 years, but the digital side is only five years. Yeah. And so, you know, if I look at the way we do things now versus the first year, it's really hilarious to kind of see. It's a good <laughs> hilarious, but it's it's you know every year trying to do things a little bit better. Yeah. And, um, and so we've made some. We've made some tweaks in our process that I'm pretty proud of, and so I think I can give some takeaways here. So how you start a client engagement, matter whether whether you're an agency like us or you're a an accountant or whatever, yep. it's really important how you start it. Is That impression you set, it seems to have a nice long effect um, because I mm-hmm. see that you're taking it seriously from the get-go. And so um, we have a kickoff, of course, and it's usually a three-hour kickoff where we talk a lot about their business, try to get to know them as much as possible, ask them all the questions, the access that we need, all that. But we also do a positioning statement exercise with them. So who are they? Who do they sell to? You know, what do they sell why do customers buy from them? What resonates with their customers? So we try to paint this picture so that when we're writing content or we're writing ads, we can uh, look back at that positioning statement and just know what we should be saying, who we're speaking to. And so that's actually something we started doing about beginning of this year. So that's mm-hmm. something new. Clients seem to love it and it's, it's good for the team. We've also we speak to our clients every two weeks. So every okay. two weeks we're doing a recurring phone call. We're speaking in between, of course, but the client knows the bare minimum. They're speaking every two weeks, yeah. and we've did that. So we never used to have actually. We never used to have account managers. That wasn't that was something we added two years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember how we. I think it was just whoever was on the account spoke to the client. Kind of crazy, <laughs> but <I think> that's <laughs> did. things move quickly. I get it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we had account managers and so now they're speaking to the client every two weeks. So the client's never in the dark as to what we're doing for them. Uh, There's that constant communication which they feed off of and we feed off of. And then our latest and greatest improvement, this is my brother Scott's idea, wasn't Mm -hmm. my idea. but (laughs) Give credit um, where
1: credit's due. (laughs) Yep.
0: And uh, so we're doing quarterly reviews with clients every three months. Mm. We're looking at what we're doing for them and then giving them honest feedback as to what's working, what's not. That way the client knows that You know that we're looking out for them. That we're not just letting things coast because we're afraid they're going to cancel. And then I guess the last thing I would say is we have a dashboard that updates in real time, so they are always in the know as to what's working. So if I can like boil it down to lessons for the audience, it's um, for service businesses. It comes down to constant communication and full transparency, whether the news is good news or bad news. I think that's the two takeaways. Audience. Yeah.
1: And I like that the regular rhythm of communication, too. I had, had an episode with uh, Chris Voss who wrote. Uh FBR negotiator, and he wrote, uh, Never Split the Difference. And we were talking about this whole what builds trust. And one of the things he said is one of the best ways to build trust is just regular, consistent communication. Even if you don't have anything you know important to say, knowing that I'm going to get a call every week, every other week, building that consistency is going to build trust with the client. So uh, I like that idea that you're doing a scheduled, sort of proactive, we're just going to do a call every two weeks regardless of what's going on, just to keep that connection going. I think it's really important.
0: Yeah, and we and we've seen a... Because sometimes clients get busy and they can't commit to the two weeks every two week call. But we've noticed a an impact when clients start dropping off on those calls. I don't know what it is. Once the communication starts to dry up, nope. it's not like we're trying less. I don't know. I, th- I think it just the communication back and forth every two weeks. It just fosters new ideas. Yeah. Maybe the rapport. I'm not really sure what it is, but I've noticed that when clients stop doing the biweekly calls, it's.
1: The the higher, results it just yeah. starts of the higher learning. likelihood that that it's it's not gonna not gonna be a highly growing account <laughs> right, right right and so I'm curious just as a leader in a business that's dynamic and and changing a lot any strategies suggestions to folks who are in leadership positions things that you've done to up your leadership skills your knowledge performance uh, mindset anything that that you've learned around that process that you can share with the audience here
0: yeah and I think that question just uh, extended this. Podcast by like 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so, whoever's listening, put it on two speed. Uh-huh. Um, yes. Okay. So, I will go back to so when I first started the company it was just me I was the mar- marketing director and yeah. so now that we have I think 12 of us now on the digital side it's been a, an experience for me especially because sure. I'm I'm slightly introverted oh, I'm I wouldn't consider myself I, I'm like I'm not extrovert I'm, I'm definitely not like I'm like not like a super introvert but I'm definitely not an extrovert I'm sort of like in the middle and I've been used to just being by myself so having a team now and just learning what comes with being a better leader and it's been is, there's been ups and downs and I, I'm trying to get better at it and I, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think we're going in the right direction but I've definitely learned a lot so I think what you know, what I've learned is first off you have to work on yourself yeah because if I come in as a weak person or obviously it'd be bad days and good days but if mm-hmm. you come in as a weak person low energy and you're not working on yourself it's just not doing the team any good and, you know we're all adults here and everyone can improve themselves too but like you know you have to I think it's important for leadership to to work on themselves and yeah. to be a better leader and be a better person and so for me what that looks like is morning routines uh, working on mindset um, I have a whole morning routine I follow. I even take cold
1: showers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, which is, we were saying it was easier in the summer and now, now that winter is coming, it's, <laughs> it's going to be more difficult until I, I started doing it in the winter and
0: I was, it was torture. Oh. And now in the summer it's, I'm like the water doesn't even feel that cold. Yeah. It's funny when I went to the, uh, the shore this summer, I felt like I was like a conditioned athlete for the cold ocean because <laughs> of the cold showers. So I love it. But yeah, so it's working on yourself. And, and, I, and that's going to vary based on, you know, I've had to find out what works best for me. I love yeah. listening to podcasts in the car during my commute, yeah. like motivational, inspirational, educational stuff. Yeah. I've got my morning routine, like I said, with meditation and gratitude practice and my cold showers and things like that. So that's the first thing I would say just work on yourself and yeah. make a habit of it, make, turn it into some sort of routine, whatever you think you can stick with that's, you know, that you could do every day mm-hmm. or almost every day. And then I would say the other thing, Bruce. Is the culture here, you know, that trying to build a better culture and really looking out for your team members and trying to make sure everyone feels appreciated and that you're, you know, that the work environment is not some sort of like militant. (laughs) <laughs> very structured thing. Obviously, yeah. work needs to get done, but yep. I think culture is very important, and it's it's not easy. You know, it's you, you try to do the right things, and sometimes you think you're doing the right things, and the feedback you get is it's like not the greatest thing. So yeah. it's just trial and error there as well. Like with like with marketing, it's trial
1: and error. Yeah, uh, I think that's it's a it's a good parallel to to what you're doing with clients and marketing strategy is figuring out you know what you can try on the cultural side, and, the, and then getting the feedback. You know, getting getting the open lines of of communication with employees to to get honest, and sometimes brutal. Honest feedback on how things are going, what's working, what's not, and then willing to make changes and, and try new things. So good.
0: Can I can I one more thing to that? Yeah, go ahead. I think what I've learned a lot too. So we do like um we do company lunches every month, we uh-huh. do quarterly it's quarterly incentives with the team, like we do rock climbing and laser tag and and uh what else we do breakfast for mm-hmm. when, when's their birthdays so we try to do all these things and i think really obviously everyone's motivated by something different but what, what i've noticed that and i kind of like i can relate to it because I, I think it's i think it's i can relate to it cause i think the same way it's everyone wants to feel like their career is growing that they're doing something that matters mm-hmm. um that there's purpose behind what they do so i think the secret is really finding what motivates the person but also showing that they're showing them recognition showing them that their job that there's a mm-hmm. purpose that there's a path for them and that what they do matters and that's kind of what I'm learning.
1: Yeah, no, those are good points. Ryan, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Ballantine, what's the best way to get that information?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So definitely um, connect me on LinkedIn. It's Ryan Cote, C-O-T-E. I also have a special landing page for your audience. I know you'll have it in the show awesome. notes, but yep. it's, it's Ballantine.com forward slash S-U-S uh, for scaling up services, obviously. Yeah. And on there is my LinkedIn profile to connect with me, but also there's an offer for a uh, a free digital analysis via video. So I basically bring up the person's, the company's website, and I do a free video analysis awesome. of what they're doing, their SEO,
1: their social, all that, and that's uh, that's free. Great. Yes, I will make sure that the uh, link is in the show notes here. Uh, thank you for doing that. That's a great strategy. Everyone else, take note. <laughs> <laughs> customized offers, customized content—the way to go. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Great content, great insight. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Bruce. And thanks everyone for listening.